All right. Hello, hello. It is good to be with you. Happy, happy weekend and uh, happy month of October. Can you believe it? It's October already. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, the year is moving by. And also, uh, today's our day to do communion together. It's the uh, first Sunday or first weekend of the month. So if you haven't yet uh, gotten your communion elements, I want to invite you to go ahead and get those prepared. We're going to be taking communion together at the end of the, this message today. Also, just want to mention there are some really cool things that are happening right now in our church. Uh, we have our Sunday circles happening. We have our 10 a.m. at uh, Parkside Square, Vicente and 27th. So please come, bring your chair. There's a bathroom that's open. We sit under a eucalyptus tree. We have a good time of encouragement, prayer, laughs. It's been a great time. Also, uh, we've been having our 6 p.m. Zoom on Sundays as well, and that's another Sunday circle. Same format. We just spend some time uh, talking about what we're thankful for, reflecting on the message, having a little time of prayer, and uh, these are some great times to connect, so I invite you to do that. Also, every Wednesday at 2 p.m., we have our Doom devotions together on Zoom. I send out uh, devotions every Wednesday, and you can reflect on that or bring a devotion and then we have our prayer every Friday at 12 p.m. Also, we have a couple of cool outreaches that we're right in the middle of doing, right in the process of initiating. One is called our Faith in Blue Initiative, where we are actually building relationship with the local police department. And uh, our role as Bay Church is to write notes of encouragement, notes of prayer, blessings. So uh, we're still looking for some people to write some notes. So if you'd like to do that, please let me know. It can just be a brief, uh, just thankful that you're uh, in our, our police department serving and uh, just grateful for them. And then a quick encouragement, a little, a little prayer, a little scripture or something like that. So let me know if you're interested in doing that. Also, um, we have our Adopt-A-Hotel project that we are working on with Love Never Fails. And basically what we're doing is we're taking a hotel that has been known for trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking. And we're going in there and we're starting to engage and connect with some of the people that are living out of these hotels and working out of these hotels. And we're going to be working to build relationships, long-term relationships that we are hoping will lead to uh, discipleship. So uh, those are some things that are happening. And today we are starting our new series called 40 Days of Focus. And uh, what basically what has been on my heart, I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me, to our church, is to take some time a period of 40 days and to focus, to focus on God, focus on the kingdom. And, you know, if you remember a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we ended our series called Living the Good Life with Be Disciplined. And, you know, I felt like it just wasn't enough for us just to talk about being disciplined and then just move on. But what I wanted to do is take that, uh, that encouragement, that message, and stretch it out over a period of time so we can only just talk and think that we can actually work to take steps and to be purposeful in this time. You know, I believe there's so many uh, distractions out there right now, especially this month. There's a lot of distractions uh, in the world, politics, etc. What I believe God is calling us is to, to remove the distractions and to be fixed and focused on the kingdom. Fixed and focused on kingdom purposes and what God is calling us to do and his assignment for us. So that is what I believe this time is going to be about. And, and what I wanted to do is take this this 40 days, starting tomorrow. I know you kind of feel like, well, it's already happening. I know. Well, you know, I did kind of 
give a heads up a couple weeks ago. But anyway, starting tomorrow, okay? Actually, when is tomorrow? You probably you don't even know when that is, when you're listening to it. <laughs> starting October 5th, let me be more clear, all the way through November 13th, I want to declare that this year, 2020, is going to be 40 Days of Focus. And I want to invite you into that. Uh, this is not only uh, about teaching, but it's also about leading. So what I'm saying is that in this 40 Days of, of Focus, there are certain things that I want to take the time to do, to focus on, so I can focus greater on the Lord, His assignment for my life. And I can see some areas of, of breakthrough in my life. Let me just share personally and you might be have, uh, going through something similar. You may have experienced something through this COVID season that has kind of caused you to kind of uh, maybe uh, uh, to slide or to drift or you know, maybe you found yourself, uh, your schedule just all kind of wacky and weird. You're, you're, maybe you're finding yourself a little bit sluggish in some certain areas. And maybe you just kind of have been working to like, no, I just need to get sort of uh, back on things. Or maybe there's been something for a long time, a lot of years, and you've been like, I really want to, Focus in this area. I really want to say that this series is for you. It's for all of us. I'd like to say, you know what? I want to see some breakthrough. I want to take some steps of discipline in my life. Something, one area, one area of focus. I really want to put some uh, effort into. So I'm going to take 40 days to focus on that. So for me personally, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm really working on reestablishing my morning routine. You know, when we hit COVID, it kind of got crazy. Our kids were now all of a sudden at home, and so we were starting to do more and more work later on at night. My, my nights were getting late. Kids were still getting up for school, but I was you know, not getting that much sleep, and you know, I, I, I found myself drinking more and more coffee and all this kind of thing, and uh, you know, exercise was getting hard, and so I felt like, you know, I really want to reestablish my morning routine. And, and really prioritize time with God, really want to prioritize exercise, getting just healthy, uh, even some, some hygiene, some basic hygiene. I don't know if you've done this, but maybe skipped getting dressed, you know, <laughs> or maybe you haven't, you know, uh, done, you know, basic things, getting, you know, shower, floss, brush your teeth, putting on deodorant, you know, washing your hair, you know, doing all those things, getting dressed for the day. And so, you know, those things have been on my heart to really reestablish my personal, uh, morning routine and so you're you don't have to have the same but maybe there's something that you would choose that you can focus on during this time during these 40 days to start to see uh, some personal breakthrough in your life but why 40 days what does that mean is there something significant about it well a little bit you know in uh, god's word uh, it seems that the number 40 has some type of biblical and spiritual significance there's a, a lot of times that 40 either 40 Days or 40 years are being referred to. Jesus fasted for 40 days. The rains came down and the floods came up. Noah's Ark, 40 days. The Hebrews were in the desert wandering for 40 years. Saul and David and Solomon, they all reigned for 40 years. And there's more and more of these stories that, that really uh, uh, um, focus on 40, talk about 40 days, 40 Night. So something biblical and spiritual about the number 40. <clears throat> also, 40 is referred to or as a lot. So 40 is not just a couple days, it's a lot of days. So even uh, um, some theologians say that 40 in some context, biblically, just means a lot of days. So it, it's, it's not just a, a quick fix type of thinking. We're not, we're not thinking that we're going to change 
uh, in just a couple days, do a, a quick microwave sort of situation. But we believe that uh, change takes time. Change takes time to see the, the, the lasting results that we'd like to see. And I also believe that the number 40 is just it's practical. You know, how many days does it take to create a new habit? Well, some people say 20. Other people say 60. I think we'll just say 40, huh? right in the middle. So I think 40 days will give us some time, practically speaking, enough time to really focus in an area, focus, 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 40 days, that I believe that we can all see some breakthrough. But here's what my encouragement to do in this time, what I really believe this is about. I want to encourage you, challenge you, to get your eyes off of what's happening out there, off of what's happening in the world, off of what's happening politically, uh, culturally, Get your eyes off of all the media implications and focus on the kingdom of God for the next 40 days. And I know, this is, we're coming up on this uh, um, uh, vote is coming up here. It's election uh, coming up. This is going to take us through the election. Maybe it'll take some time to, to pray about those things. But I believe that God wouldn't call us to get wound up, distracted on those things, but he would instead have us be about his kingdom purposes even during this time, especially during this time. You know, my vision here is that we would carve out uh, a new uh, kingdom-bringing, life-giving habit for ourselves. A kingdom-bringing, life-giving habit. That you would choose something. From October 5th to November 13th, that you would choose an area you really want to focus on. I, I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago. My belief is that when you start to create a new, uh, a new good habit, Good habits create new good habits, and, cre- and new habits create new good habits. The same as opposite. Bad habits create new bad habits. So we want to be about creating something. My hope is that it wouldn't just end the thir- uh, on the 13th, that you would just focus on something, some type of new habit, a new area of growth, and it would just stop on the 13th. But know that it would perpetuate and, and, and help you to uh, move forward, that we would all see a greater trajectory for God's purposes and plans for our life. So the theme scripture for this series is going to come out of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Here's what it says. Do you not know, and by the way, this is Paul speaking, that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to take the prize. Everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. They do it for a crown that is perishable, but we do it for a crown that is imperishable. Therefore, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight like I am beating the air. No, I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Now, Paul teaches us about the relentless pursuit, the the rigorous persistence of the faith. That's what he teaches us. He he doesn't even talk about it. He actually goes on to talk about himself. He's not only teaching this race, this uh, persistence, this pursuit, but he models it for us. He says, "This this is the fight of faith. This is the, the, the war, the battle that we're, we're called to. That we need to be ones that are set on a path of discipline. 
And so what we want to do is we not, not only want to think about it, discuss it, chew on it, but we want to use Paul as our model here, model, the model for us in our faith, to run the race as he has run the race that he is challenging us to run. So I want to talk about this scripture over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, so today I want to talk about, I want to just jump into the how and to the what. That might be something that you're thinking, thinking about. But I really wanted to start with the why. Why do we uh, run in such a way to win the prize uh, in the same way that somebody who was training, uh, training like an athlete for some type of crown? Why do we do that? And what it talks about here is this is that there are prizes. There's imperishable crowns. God is calling us or has has given us uh, the understanding that on the other side of eternity, and even on this side of eternity, he has kingdom crowns for us. He has kingdom crowns for us. Treasures in heaven. You know, it talks about this kingdom, kingdom crown, some of the ones that I've found or mentioned in different places throughout the Bible. One of the ones that we just had mentioned is the imperishable crown. It doesn't rust. It doesn't break down. It's a prize that never fades. There's also a crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians. It says that it's filled with grace. It's a crown that's filled with comfort. It's filled with strength and filled with love. There's another crown called the crown of righteousness. That's Christ-likeness. It's his righteousness imparted to us. It's a purity. It's a holiness. He also talks about the crown of glory, the glory of of heaven that cannot compare to life. It's this mesmerizing. It draws you. It's like once you've seen the the crown of glory, then it's like everything else just kind of fades away. The, The world here doesn't compare to his glory. And the crown of life, it's this abundant relationship that we have in community with others, but specifically our abundant relationship that we have in Christ. You know, these are some of the crowns that are mentioned throughout God's Word. Also through His Word, He talks about the eternal rewards, uh, the treasures in heaven, the the crowns to be worn, the prizes to be held, the the positions that He he, gives, that he gives people to steward. He calls us kings and priests and rulers over cities. You know, this, this pursuit that Paul is on, this pursuit, this, this persistent, this relentless pursuit that he talks about, it's because he was able to see that there's treasures in heaven, that there's crowns uh, to, be, to be handed out, there's positions to be given. And he said, all this stuff, of the, of, the, of the world. It's not worth it for me to get distracted. But I need to stay focused. I need to stay disciplined on the things that he has for me, on the things that are eternal and the things that are life-giving, things that, not the things that are temporary, but the things that are spiritual of the kingdom of God. So we need to, as Christ followers, learn to live our life like Paul, to be disciplined in this way, to make a, a relentless pursuit and so the first thing that we need to do in order to uh, achieve this life and achieve this, uh, this disciplined life and, and persistence and, and pursuit is, number one, we need to learn how to store up treasures in heaven. We need to learn how to store up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 20 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven. Don't store up things here on earth, but store up treasures in heaven means that we can see the true reward that God has for us instead of the temporary, the temporary applause, the things that just uh, will go away, that will fade, that will rust over time, that moths will come in and chew up and, and, and ruin. Don't focus on those things, but instead focus on the, the treasures in heaven, the things that are eternal. You know, I'm not sure what heaven will be like. I wish I could uh, go to heaven and find, and see some of the crowns and, and experience some of the, the rewards and to, to, to taste some of the prizes that are being given. I wish I could do that so I can come back and I can just share that. It's, 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 it's a little bit uh, uh, hard to even grasp and fathom. You know, we just kind of have God's Word that, that, that describes these things a bit. But I can tell you this, I can guarantee you this, that the banquet in heaven is not going to be like the reward banquets that we have experienced here on earth. And I can just remember sitting in those old moose lodges or the moose lodge and where I grew up in Vacaville and sitting on those old wooden chairs eating mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese, waiting, you know, as you're giving out these pieces of paper, certificates and these little, you know, little medals to different people and just kind of hoping, you know, maybe I'll get a reward or get an award for something, you know. And that's not what we can expect when it comes to the rewards and the prizes and the gifts that God has for us. You know, throughout my life, I have accumulated some different rewards and trophies and certificates and plaques and things like that. You know, I wrestled as a kid, so I have a lot of these wrestling medals. I played baseball, so I have these trophies, you know, that I have. And uh, you know, different things. I got my, my letter from wrestling in, in high school. Uh, I got a couple of degrees that you know, I've earned along the way and, and things like that. You know, and, and you kind of wonder, what do you, what do you, what do you end up doing with all these things that you've collected over time? You know, I mean, they were really important to me. They were really special to me, you know, at the time because it, 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 it was part of my life. You know, I was working hard, etc. Uh, and there's a lot of things that went into them. But what did I do with them? Well, they ended up, you know, in this box at my parents' house. And I remember, you know, uh, through all my life, you know, I was into, moved to Los Angeles and Hawaii, and I came back to the mainland living in San Francisco, and my parents came to visit me. They're now living in Utah. And one day they showed up with this box. I was like, what's that box? And they said, here, grab it. And there's all these rewards and certificates and things that I had earned over the course of my youth and childhood. You know, so what ended up happening, what did I end up doing with them? Well, kept them in that box and I put them in some uh, storage area in the bottom of my basement. Yeah, isn't that funny? I'm sure that you too have a box of accolades, a box of things that you had done to earn or prizes that you had gotten over the course of your time. It probably sits in some box anyway. Now, I don't think these things are necessarily bad. I mean, I don't go around, you know, showing them off or putting them on any wall or anything like that. 
uh, I think they're kind of cool, especially for my kids. Maybe someday my grandkids, I'll open up that box and I can show them these things because uh, it will help me with my, my memory, right? These things represent stories and seasons of my life. And so I don't think that they're necessarily bad things or anything. But what I think that this scripture is saying is that when we get on the other side of eternity, when we get in, into heaven with God, and we experience the treasures that we've laid up in heaven, we experience the treasures, we're going to want those things. I mean, Paul is saying, it's like you, you want to store up treasures in heaven. You're going you're to want those eternal prizes. And when you have them, when you look from hindsight, from that side of eternity, to the world that we live in. You look at all the things, all the accolades, all the prizes, all the, the treasures, all the things that you, you may have had, and you look at them as if they're rubbish. But they've already kind of experienced it. The things that I've earned, the things that I've collected, things that I've gotten, have all kind of become past memories. But I think what Paul is saying is that it's not like that. It's not the same type of reward banquet that we have here on earth. You know, we're sitting around waiting for our name to be called, hoping we'll get something and like it for a couple days. And then after that, it becomes kind of put to the side. That's kind of the things, that's kind of the accolades and the rewards of the things of the earth, but not when it comes to the things on the other side of eternity. Those things are valuable. Those things we, we want to obtain. They're of value. Uh, they're, they're things that are good. And I wish, like I said, I could you know, bring them here for us to see them, but I can't. It's just something that we just kind of have to imagine. I wonder what they'd be like. I wonder what, wonder what they'll look like. But obviously, it'll be something that we love and we care about and, and are proud of. You know, I was just thinking about when, uh, during this message, about when I received my uh, degree, my graduate degree. You know, it was something that I had worked on for a long time. I think I started it, and by the time I finished it, it was a 10-year process. So, Kind of started, gave up on it, and got back into it. Uh, so it, it took a lot of time. I remember every day I'd you know, get off work, I'd, I'd go work at a, a coffee shop or something like that. And then, uh, and, and it costs a lot of money for us to do it, a lot of money. And uh, I remember sometimes I have to get at five in the morning to have phone calls with people on the East Coast and so on and so forth. And so it was all said and done. I finally finished it. We decided that I would uh, I'd walk. I'd walk, you know, the stage and receive my degree or whatever it was that they were going to hand off to me. And so we flew from Hawaii all the way to Virginia as a family. It's just my, myself, my wife, and my son Hudson. And, and, and there we were. Uh, and they came to the ceremony. My wife's out there. And my son's out there. And it's kind of sprinkling. It was really cold and all that kind of stuff. I'm in this long line. took all day. And finally when I get up to the stage, they tell me, walk as fast as you can. They were just like shouting, you know, num- you know, names are just like, you know, it's kind of like you're in this like conveyor belt of people getting their degrees and stuff, you know, and I just kind of walked briskly, got it, and you know, came back around. And, you know, I just kind of thought, man, all that work that I had done, you know, if I had done it for that moment, it would have been pretty disappointing. You know, if I had done it just to get the, the, the paper, you know, in which my mom was really nice to get me a nice plaque and it's really nice, but it's with my other rewards in the same box. But if my focus was on, on that, man, I'd be pretty disappointed. I'd be pretty disappointed if my focus for the accolades and the things of this earth were going to fill me. Because they didn't. They didn't fill me. They didn't make me feel like I was a, a something or somebody. They didn't. You see, 
what I'm learning, what we need to learn here, is that the that there are crowns and rewards that are eternal, that that are worth it, that are valuable, that are not disappointing, and they are given to those who are faithful, those who not only endure this life but they run as to get the prize that is worth pursuing. Paul says this, the way I'm running, the way I'm fighting, the way I'm going for it, the way I persist, the way I press, the way I pursue, the reason I do it, it's worth it. On the other side of the kingdom, I'm going to be so proud of the way that I walked, the way that I ran the race. So that's what we need to do. We have to realize that there are treasures that we can lay up for ourselves in heaven. Not sure exactly what they look like, but they are worth it. And then number two, what we need to do is we need to seek first the kingdom of God. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6. So first we have to store up treasures in heaven. We have to seek first his kingdom. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's the thing. To seek means you have to really want it. When you're seeking something, you're looking for it, you're trying to find it, you have passion for it, you really want it. It's like if you lose something that's very valuable, like your keys, and you're late to, to, for an appointment, you got to go somewhere. You want those keys. You're passionately seeking it. The same is uh, true of our need to uh, look for and seek the kingdom of God. We have, to, we have to want it. We have to look for it as if it's fine treasure. Uh, we have to, 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 to go after it, to pursue it, to persist it, to press has to come out of a desire in our heart. See, as we pursue the kingdom, world rewards will come. Did you know that? Because what it says here is, but seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will add it to you. These are things that we we need, food, water, things that we want, things that, that we feel like we need, right? It says, first focus on the kingdom, all these things will be added to you. What that basically means is first pursue the kingdom, and then the world rewards will just come. You don't have to pursue the world rewards. Pursue the kingdom, and these things will come. Basically what it means, pursue the kingdom, and guess what? You'll just happen to get some promotions along the way. You'll happen to get some prizes along the way. You'll happen to get some uh, uh, um, accolades or applause along the way. But but when we seek them, well, they, they, they end up becoming kind of empty. We go for them. They leave us disappointed. But see, compared these uh, these things along along the way that we kind of uh, acquire as we're pursuing the kingdom, they're, they're counted as kind of like rubbish compared to the rewards that we find and that we receive in eternity. You see, we cannot get stuck on these things, but instead it's just kind of nice when they get added to us. And then what we do is when they get added to us, we just add them to our cardboard box in the basement. That will just tell the stories of some of the seasons of our life. You know, we have to learn that uh, uh, we have to press past, press past things. You know, I was kind of uh, taught this interesting uh, thing when it came to uh, you know self defense and punching. I hope that's okay. Talking about punching, I'm not going to advocate for violence or anything like that. But you know, Paul means like you got to learn how to have a punch. Uh, not just beating the air, but you know, I, I remember actually going to a boxing gym, and one time uh, just kind of just swinging at this this uh, 
this punching bag, just kind of going for it. It's kind of more of an exercise, you know, thing, just, just kind of going for it. And uh, there happened to be a uh, professional kickboxer in there. He had been a world champion. And I guess while I was just slugging away at this thing, you know, he was watching me. So I didn't know it, but he walks over to me and he's just kind of like asking me what I was doing. And I said, oh, I'm just working out. You know, he said, can I show you something? I don't know if you know this, but the way that you're swinging your fist is, number one, it's ineffective. And number two, it's going to tire you out. He said, can I show you a couple of things? I said, sure. And then so he kind of showed me a couple of these, you know, jabs and a couple of punches. And, um, you know, what he was showing me was a very just effective punch. That's kind of what Paul was talking about here. You don't, you don't just beat the air. You don't just tire yourself out and be ineffective. He said, but you want to be precise. You want to be effective. One of the things that he taught me was that when you punch a bag or you punch a target, what you don't want to do is to try to, to punch just to the target. You know? He's like, don't just punch to the target. So what you want to do is you want to punch through the target. So actually, your target is really on the other side of it. So if I just showed you, just, instead of just punching here, he said, what you want to do is you want to punch here. See the effectiveness when your aim is on the other side? Instead of just punching here, you punch through it. He said, that's, what, that's where you're going to get uh, effectiveness. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting because sometimes in life, what we do is we focus on what we can see. See, this is my target. I can see it. What he's telling me to do is you want to focus on something beyond that you can't see or effectiveness. Basically, what I'm saying is this, is that when we focus on the things of the kingdom, which we can't see, what it causes us to do or causes us to be is more effective in the things that we can see. See, far too many, too many times we, we try to focus on things we, we can see, we focus on trying to get this and try to focus on that, try to focus on this, and we find ourselves just sort of spinning, find ourselves being very ineffective, we find ourselves being worn out, what Paul's saying here is, you know, don't focus on those things. Seek the kingdom first. Focus on what's beyond, what's invisible, what you can't see. Focus on that, and it will cause you to be more effective in the things that you can. The things you can touch, the things that are tangible. See, look, I'm teaching you biblical truths as well as I'm teaching you self-defense at the same time. It's pretty amazing. Two for the price of one. But so how does my physical action, how does it make an eternal impact? Do you ever think about that? How, how does what I'm doing here on this earth uh, cause something to be impacted eternally? You know, I talked about my morning routine earlier. I, uh, I, so, but here's the thing. We're talking about my morning routine. We're talking about exercise and things like that. What I'm not doing is I'm not exercising for some race. I'm not thinking about some t-shirt that I might earn. I'm not thinking about some medal that I might get. What I am thinking about doing is, is something that's spiritual, something that's kingdom-minded. See, what I'm striving for is something beyond. So the things that I'm thinking about is this morning routine. What is my goal? What is, is it that's very invisible? When I talked about something that's beyond, it's invisible that you can't really see, it's not tangible. Well, one of the things that I'm thinking of is during this morning routine is that I'm thinking this is a great time for me to practice the presence of God, to be in God's presence while I'm you know, exercising, just being out in nature with God. I love to go running in a park and things like that. And so this is a time where I can be in God's presence while I'm, I'm exercising. You know, it's a time for me to turn my ear towards God, maybe first thing in the morning, just kind of 
as I'm waking up, clear my head and say, Lord, I'm here uh, in your presence and I'm available to hear your voice. You know, it's also uh, disciplining myself that I may have the capacity to say yes to God and be more obedient. You know why most of us have a difficult time being true to the assignment that God has for us? We're not disciplined enough. We don't have the ability to say yes to him because some of us have been fallen into uh, some sort of uh, kind of just being a sluggish and apathetic. And so we, we haven't put ourselves to the place where we can be obedient. We haven't disciplined ourselves enough. There's also this time is to uh, to prepare myself for the day to be so that I can be more present for my wife, to be more present for my kids, to be uh, more present as a neighbor, to be more uh, available and present as a pastor. These are uh, hats that God has given me or things that he's called me to, to steward in my life. And so this morning routine, I'm hoping that's going to help me to be more effective in the relationships in my life. So here's the, the physical target. The physical target is my morning routine. But what is the spiritual and the eternal target that I'm pressing for? Things that are kind of not really seen, hard to see, but I'm, I'm pressing through them. I'm pushing through them. These are the things that would cause the crowns and the rewards and the treasures that God would call me to secure and store up in heaven. Seeking the kingdom first, going beyond the physical that I can see that I would have a greater impact than what I can see. You know, just thinking about my time uh, running the other day, I started my morning routine. I've been thinking about this 40 days of focus, and I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a little ahead of time just to kind of, you know, get ahead of the game a little bit here. And uh, so I went on a little run through one of the local parks, and uh, it happened to be a park that uh, coyotes are in, and it, I was running in the dark. And let me tell you something, that right there, when you're running in the dark, wondering if you're going to run into a coyote, that'll increase your prayer life. So just let you know. But I wanted to mention there's a couple of ditches that Christians get caught into when we talk about uh, the disciplined life. There's a couple of ditches, and I wanted to mention those things uh, because sometimes we can find ourselves falling into one ditch or the other as Christians, and we want to avoid that. The first thing, one of the first ditches is this, is that we have to be careful that we're not striving for salvation. Paul is not talking about this pursuit and the pressing and the rigorous pursuit because he's trying to hold on to his salvation. He's trying to maintain his salvation. Now, salvation is done on Calvary. You know, we are not works-oriented, meaning that uh, Paul is not describing that he's striving his sal- uh, uh, striving to maintain his salvation. He's not working to earn his salvation. Uh, that's uh, that, that uh, works-oriented salvation is it, it, not biblical. It's not theologically accurate. accurate. He's, he's not talking about trying to uh, earn or secure his name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we talk about this one. We're not t- trying to talk about earning your salvation. Okay? That is called works-oriented salvation, or better known as Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with Jehovah's Witness, but I really feel bad for Jehovah's Witnesses. They believe that they have to work, they have works, to earn their way, and guess what? Not earn their way to heaven. Yeah, they, they try to work and earn their way to inherit the earth, is what they believe. I feel bad for them. When they, the, the gift of everlasting life, the gift, gift of eternal life, uh, the gift of heaven is, is free. So I really feel bad for them. But that's really not our 
uh, we want to steer clear of that works mindset. Just some people can't grasp the free gift of eternal life. They just can't grasp it. And uh, so, uh, so we have to realize, yes, we have to, to establish in our hearts, in our minds, the kingdom of glory, uh, the kingdom of God that we have, uh, that we have, we just we have faith to enter into relationship in the, in the kingdom of heaven with God. It's free. It's a gift that has been paid uh, by the blood of uh, the blood of the Lamb, the sacrifice made on Calvary. So establish that in our hearts. Um, and but Paul is saying that here that it, there's more than just making it. There's more than just getting to the banquet. There's more. And he says, that's the part I persist for. It's the, it's the more. It's the, it's the beyond. It's, it's not just showing up to the banquet. It's, it's the more. It's, it's the, the engaging, the receiving, being part of, uh, of this. It's the laying up the, the, the treasures in heaven. There's more. So that's what he's after. That's what he's pursuing and encouraging us as Christ followers to pursue as well. There's more than just being a, uh, more than just showing up. There's more than just just salvation. Like that's the starting place, Paul is saying. That's the starting place. There's more. But then, that's, so that's one ditch that we can get into. We can fall into that trap of the works-oriented uh, mindset that we have to earn our way into heaven, trying to earn uh, our way into favor with God. But on the other side, there's another ditch that people kind of, they, they know that part of it, but then they kind of pull themselves into another ditch. And it's a ditch that, that I like to call, or at least I'll call for this conversation, <clears throat> kind of a cruise control Christianity. What that basically means is they kind of have a perspective that well, God just does it all, and I just wait for it to happen. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, we can sometimes be a little bit over-spiritual, but, but then we can end up being very frustrating people in the faith. Because we're just kind of sitting back waiting for God to do it all, and we wonder when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, how, you know, and we're just kind of uh, sitting back, not really taking much action, and then we just get frustrated. What's wrong with me? Why doesn't God give to me, bless me, provide for me? Kind of how God's going to do it, and I do nothing. It's kind of, that's where we see a lot of that, uh, I just name it and claim it. There's going to be a free car outside my door. Let me go see if it's there. There's going to be a, a, a big check that's going to show up in my in my mailbox, and name it and claim it. God's going to take care of all my financial woes, and it's going to be so big, it's going to take care of all my friends' financial woes. It's just going to show up. But then when it doesn't show up, what happens is people start to get angry at God. God doesn't see me. God doesn't help me. He's not there for me. They start to create this, develop a woe is me, frustrated, angry at God. Why do we find ourselves in these two traps or in these two ditches? Why do we end up seeing ourselves as a works, uh, works mentality type of a person? And, or why do we find ourselves in a cruise control type of place? Why? Well, because there's biblical principles that kind of, that support at least uh, one side or the other, but they don't support the ditch. <laughs> one of them is this, is that without faith, works is dead. So people sometimes take it a little step further without because Without faith, works is dead. They become a works mentality. They fall into works mentality ditch. But that's not what God's calling us to do. See, work works is an outcome of, of and fruit of our faith. It's a fruit of our faith. It's works. Not, not we're trying to earn our 
our place with God, not trying to earn favor with God. And then the other side, too, is that God works on our behalf. It's true. He does work on our behalf. But we have to have faith and trust in God and to see his hand and his help and his blessing. So because there are these two God-given biblical principles, we can see how people can lean towards one side or the other. But let me just encourage you this. If you are striving to earn favor with God or working to try to establish your place uh, in the kingdom or you're, you're, you're serving for accept, or you're serving for acceptance, you're veering into a ditch. And, or, or if you are uh, have become inactive and, you've, and you lack action and you are expecting God to do something and do it all and you just name it and claim it, then you're heading for another ditch. A lot of spiritual talk and not much action. It's another ditch. We, we, so we can't choose to go on cruise control. We can't choose to become works-oriented either. But instead, we have to be on the pursuit, right? In between these ditches, it's on this pursuit that Paul is talking about. It's discipline, because he's given us the resources to be disciplined, the resources to be focused on these kingdom crowns that he's laid ahead of us and for us. That's why he's given us gifts. That's why he's put passion inside of us. Paul, Paul models and describes this discipline, and he says, this is an active faith. Pursue it. Go for it. Fight for it. Like you're, a, like you're an athlete training for, for some type of crown, but not, a, not a, a perishable crown, but an imperishable crown. God has great things in store for us. He has great things in store for us. Treasures and crowns and rewards and prizes that are beyond our imagination, that we can't even really fathom and truly understand. But what he's trying to tell us is that these, uh, these things are worth it. It's worth the discipline. It's worth the work. It's worth the pursuit. The, the, the why behind this pursuit, the why behind this 40 days of focus, is worth it. So you have, you have, to, you have to realize it. You have to really, even though you, you've never fully seen it, you have to believe it. You have to believe that what God has for you is great. He has great things in store for us. And so this sweet spot for us is discipline to be a disciple, to be a true Christ follower with a relentless, passionate pursuit of him. You know, um, it's important for us to learn how to get our eyes off the perishable crowns and get our eyes fixed on what is imperishable. You know, I was thinking about one of my favorite actors, uh, Denzel Washington. One of the things, you know, other than his acting career, he's also quite the motivational speaker. And one thing that he is known for saying is that uh, you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Basically what he's saying here is that no matter how much you acquire here on earth, you'll never be able to take it with you in heaven. So the takeaway from that is don't focus so much on acquiring the worldly stuff, the perishable crowns, but instead get your eyes fixed and focused on what's imperishable, the kingdom crowns. Let's get our eyes and hearts fixed there. The kingdom pursuit, the disciplining ourselves is worth it. On this side of eternity, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to, craft, hard to grasp. But we need to trust Paul. Every ounce of discipline will be worth the kingdom prizes 
on this side of eternity as well as on the next. I want to pray for you in just a moment, but I want to invite you to take a hold of your communion elements. We're going to take communion together because, you know, sometimes what it means is that we need to get our eyes fixed on the kingdom. And, uh, and, and what that means is we get our eyes fixed on Christ, fixed on what he has done for us so that we can, uh, we can turn back. You know, uh, one of my pastors used to say, you know, what, you know what repentance is? It's constantly correcting. It's constantly correcting. You know, there's all kinds of trips uh, or, or ditches and things that can kind of uh, trap us along the way, but we need to correct back to Christ. And so that's what we do through communion. We correct back to him. We, we repent regularly and often. So I invite you to take a hold of your elements, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read for us. This comes out of 1 Corinthians. It says this, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made for us on Calvary, that we could fully receive eternal life, that we can experience the kingdom of God. We can experience it uh, here on earth as well as we can experience it in heaven and in eternity. God, we thank you for uh, the gift of life that you have given us. We thank you that we can be transformed, renewed, changed, transformed, that that the old ways of living, the old ways that we have, old habits, that those things can be broken in Jesus' name. And then, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. So Jesus, we thank you for the blood that was spilled, that it meant for uh, the purification of our hearts and our minds, that our, our sins would be remembered no more. We know that we are people that get uh, that get distracted. We know that we are people that are, uh, that are sinners. We know that we are people that um, get off track. But it says in your word that you wash us clean, that you purify us, you cause us to come into a new season with a fresh, clean, and pure heart. So Lord, we ask that you would do that work inside of our lives and inside of our hearts. So the work that you did on Calvary would mean the transformation, the renewal, the cleansing, the healing of our hearts and our minds. So God, we ask for that in, in the name of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that encourages you. I'm really looking forward to this 40 days of focus. I encourage you to find something to get you moving in the right way. Okay, we'll be talking more about this in the days to come. God bless you, everybody.